You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is from the book of Malachi, and here at Meadowbrook, we um, really believe in honoring the Word of God. Would you please stand while um, I read today's reading? If you need a Bible, look in the chair in front of you. If you need one at home, please feel free to take that. If you're new here, we also have Bibles out by our Welcome Center. Uh, Those are study Bibles. We strongly believe that every person should have free and easy access to the Word of God. Um, So please stop by the Welcome Center as well. Uh, We'll be starting in Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. You may be seated. Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Was that sleepy? Yes. I feel you, man. I'm like dragon. Uh, I had coffee and everything. So, well, good to see you guys and gals. Uh, we are obviously in Malachi. We're going to continue in verses 1 through 5. If you're visiting with us, uh, my name's Keith. I'm the lead pastor at Meadowbrook. I talk most of the time uh, when it comes to uh, preaching. And so I'm excited uh, to be to be in this, this little book. It's only four chapters long, uh, and it is, it is loaded. It is so loaded. Uh, there's so much here. There's so much here. So what I, what I want to do is, I just want to dive right into it, but to kind of set things up, I, uh, <laughs> I mentioned this last week. It was 19 years ago that I preached through Malachi. I was a new pastor uh, I, I was pastoring the first, uh, my first congregation. I was serving as a lead pastor uh, for. It was a highly dysfunctional church. It was a, it was a, it was a really difficult season. My first, uh, my first, uh, well, within six months of being in that church, uh, I took my first ambulance ride to the ER, thinking I was having a heart attack. When in fact, it was a stress-induced panic attack. That's how jacked up this church was. So. Um, <laughs> And I was preaching through Malachi. So, yeah, interesting, interesting. Now I'm preaching through it again, and there are things that I, that I see in Malachi on, on, in this season of my life that I didn't see 19 years ago, which I just want to stress to you, you know, God is doing a work in your life. If you're frustrated but kind of as to where you're at, God is doing a work in your life. He is molding and he's shaping you. We're going to see that in, in, in Jacob's life as we, as we get into the scriptures together. But I just want to encourage you with those words. God is doing something with you. And here, here's the other thing. He is not, he, well, he has not given up on you, and he will not give up on you. He is committed to this thing that he's doing in your life. And so I'm a living testament to that. I was, I mean, like in so many different ways. Here's another, this is not my manuscript. I got to stick to my 
my, um, my notes, but I'll just share this. When I preached through Malachi, I didn't use an outline. Now I just I use an outline. I used to just read from my manuscript. That was 19 years ago. I used to read from my manuscript. I was, I, it was like my security blanket. I had somebody come and meet with me in my office, and basically what they said and what I heard was very different. Uh, this was a woman I really, an, an older woman. She was in her 70s, uh, a woman I really trusted. She was part of a, a group of uh, four individuals that I asked, hey, could you speak into my life? I was 30 years old. And so she, said, she sat down with me. She said it in a loving way. I didn't hear it that way, but I, looking back, she was saying it in a loving way, uh, where she said, you know, um, I'll just tell you what I heard. This is not what she said. This is what I heard. Keith, you suck at preaching. That's what I heard. I don't know if I should share this, but I will. Now I'm going to get myself in trouble. So here we go. When she, somebody say do it. <laughs> do it. Uh, when, when, her name is Darlene. And I, I know Darlene would not mind me sharing this story. She's still alive today. When she left, I, I opened my Bible. I don't know if it was that day or the day after or that week, later that week. I was reading through Numbers. And I came across the story of Balaam's donkey. You know, you know that story, right? where God used the donkey to speak into Balaam's life. You know what I wrote in my Bible? It's not in this Bible. <laughs> this is how, this is how, <laughs> this is how uh, rough around the edges I was. I wrote it like in the, at the, at the like first page of my Bible, and I wrote, if God could speak through an ass, he could speak through me. That's what I wrote in my Bible. <laughs> that was my response to Darlene. And I meant that in a donkey way, by the way. So... I am a work in progress. And some of you are like, amen. Why did you just say that word? I said donkey. Just the, 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 the anyway. Okay. So here's what I want to do. Uh, I just want to retell the story of, of, of Jacob for you. Uh, there, there are a lot of notes here. And the, those of you, the, the, the folks running the slides in the back, you, you just try to, try to keep up. Because <laughs> uh, I, I have to breeze through this. I want to get to really my final point, because I, I think that's the best way that I can serve you. And the question I want to really answer through our entire time together this morning is this, simply this, what does it mean when we read the words, Jacob I loved and Esau I've hated? Because I know for some of you that bothers you. So what does that mean? And, and so before I explain what that means, you got to know something about Jacob and Esau. And I think when you know something about Jacob and Esau, you'll be able to look at Malachi, those first five verses, and be encouraged by them. Uh, here, here's, here's what happened. Uh, I'm just going to share the story of, of Jacob and Esau. So, so God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and through your seed, all the nations are going to be blessed, and that's what I'm going to do, Abraham. So God called Abraham out of the city of Ur and, and uh, told him, hey, I'm going to lead you to a land. You don't know where it's, where it's at. I'm going to lead you to where it's at. I'll show you where it's at, and then through you, I will bless the nations, Abraham. You're, you're, he started out with Abram, uh, father of many, and, uh, and then he re got renamed father of a, of, of a multitude or, or of a nation. And uh, the problem was that he and Sarah didn't have children. And they tried for, for like ever <laughs> to have a child. And she could not give birth to, she couldn't get pregnant. Finally, she was in uh, her, her, her 80s, I believe. And uh, Abraham was in his 90s. She got pregnant uh, in a miraculous way. They had Isaac. Uh, now, 
do yourself a favor. I, 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 I took a seminary course on the first five books of the Bible called the Torah and, and focused on the families in those first five books of the Bible. Listen, they're jacked up. Like if you're, if you're looking at your family like, man, my family's a mess, just read the Bible. Like these, these people are a mess. Abraham, was a, Abraham and Sarah were a mess. Isaac and Rebecca, they were a mess. Uh, and these people were a mess. And so Isaac and Rebecca, they were praying for uh, a, a child, and uh, she wasn't given, but she wasn't having children. And so finally, God blessed them, and He said, "This is what God said, and this, I, I want you to, I want you to hear this." Um, hear, and the, the words will be on the screen here. He's, he said a bunch of things, but this is the, this is what you need to hear. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the, the other, talking about Esau. The, the older shall serve the younger, speaking of Isaac. So, so um, you have twins, <laughs> yay, hooray, uh, and, and then uh, of those twins, the younger will serve the older. Now, what you need to know is that in that culture, the firstborn son was the one who received the blessing and a chunk of the inheritance. So, so this is significant. God told Isaac, listen, your younger, the younger of the twins um, is going to be the one who's going to receive the blessing. The older of the twins will not receive the blessing. So uh, Rebecca has children, those children, and literally Esau comes out he is described, I think, the polite, I think the Bible is polite in the way they describe him. Basically, he came out looking like an ape. Um, he was that hairy. He said he was covered like, in hair. He was a hairy child. Like, you, like we look at like, the top of, you know, like if your child has hair, oh, that child had a, had a hair. This child was covered head to toe with hair. He was hairy. Uh, and, and then uh, the second child that came out was Jacob, and literally he was holding on to the heel of Esau. You know what Jacob means? Heel grabber, heel grabber. So it's really important that you, you kind of wrap your mind around that. The, the reason why Malachi said, or why God speaks to Malachi, and he says, look, I love you, Israel, and they ask, well, how have you loved us? And his response, God's response is, Jacob I loved, and Esau I hated, uh, it is really important that we kind of wrap our minds around that. Uh, what does it mean for Jacob to, 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 to be loved by, by God? Here you have this child who literally, the way he comes out of the womb, defines his life. He is a heel grabber. That, that, that's who he is. And so uh, the, the two kids, they, they grow up, and they get to the point of receiving the blessing. I don't know how old they were at the, at the point of of Esau being old enough to, to, to receive the blessing. But what we learn of the family dynamics is that Jake, uh, Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. Already you've got a messed up family, right? Mom and dad are playing favorites. And, uh, and the kids knew it. They knew it. Esau knew that his dad favored him. And, and uh, Jacob knew that he, he was a mama's boy, <laughs> He was the guy who played video games in the basement. Uh, Esau was out hunting and outside. Um, 
That's the dynamics. It doesn't say that he was a mama's boy, but he, like, he hung out in the tent, is what we're told, like in Genesis. That's, that was, that was I, uh, Jacob. Jacob hung out in the tent while Esau was out playing football and hunting, and he was like a man's man. Uh, that's why he's, he's just, I think that's why Isaac loved Esau. Uh, Esau apparently knew how to, you know, cook his, his wild game, and, and, and Isaac enjoyed, you know, that meal. And so those are the dynamics. Then Isaac grows old. We're told that his eyes uh, started to fail him, and he was getting ready. To, he, was ent- he entered into that, the, the, the last, like, pages of the chapter of his life. He was about to die. And so... So he has this conversation with Esau. Now remember, God said the younger will be the one who will receive the blessing. Jacob will be the, the heel grabber will be the one who will receive the blessing. But that's like Isaac, I guess he didn't care. He's like, I, Esau will get the blessing. So he tells Esau, look, go out, hunt wild game, cook up a mean stew for me, and then when you come in, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give the blessing to you before I die. Meanwhile, Rebekah is like in the living room. <laughs> I don't know what the tents looked like back then. But she was eavesdropping, and she heard this conversation. Esau goes out to hunt, and Rebecca calls Jacob, said, hey, Jacob, come here. I got, we, got, we need to plan, and we need to move quick. Um, so what I want you to do is I want you to get two young goats. Why would, you get, why would he get two young goats? Have you ever had like an old goat before? Like, you know, like an old cow? I did. Like in, in Burma, uh, we, we were in Burma, and or Myanmar, I was with a, a young adult I was mentoring, and I was doing, I was doing some training for pastors and church leaders, and, and uh, this lady, young, young adult who was taking care of the house of my in-laws, wanted to cook us an American meal. Uh, Josh, <laughs> before we left for, for Burma or Myanmar, before we left for Myanmar, I said to Josh, I said, look, Whatever is put in front of you, you need to eat. If you don't eat the food, you'll offend the people. If I think it's not safe for you to eat the food, because I don't want your mom to murder me, um, I'll just do this. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some clue not to eat it. So uh, Josh was totally cool with that. And Josh could, like, eat a tank. Like, he was just, like, he could eat anything. So, so towards the end of our trip, uh, this, this young woman makes this American meal for us. Roast beef, you know where that's going, right? Like, meat in a third world country, that's a delicacy. And if you do eat meat, what do you eat? You eat the old cow. The cow that can't, that, or the bull that can't, like, can't do anything anymore. He's like, he's like on his deathbed, time to sacrifice, time to, to, to slaughter him and make meat out of him. And so, uh, so that's what happened. And I knew that I would be eating the equivalent of shoe leather. Uh, but Josh didn't know that. So I put like two slices on my plate. Josh piled his plate on with meat. And, and so after dinner, Josh, this is not in my notes, but after, after dinner, we got to the, to the hotel that we had to stay at, uh, which is a whole other story. And the first thing Josh said is, man, my jaw hurts. I couldn't stop laughing. I was, I was like, I was, I was crying laughing. Like I, I thought it was so, I thought it was hilarious. Um, so, so Rebecca says, hey, Jacob, get two young goats. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare a meal for your dad. And Jacob's like, okay, 
Uh, and then what we're going to do is we're going to make like the best meal he ever had. We're going to give it to him, and you're going to pretend to be Esau. And uh, Jacob said, well, well, one problem, though. Um, Jacob, I mean, Esau is very hairy. Uh, so what do we do about that? Not a problem, Mom says. <laughs> we will use the... This is how you know Esau was really hairy. Like, this is like... This is like circus Harry, like, you know, you go and see these people. So, so she says, we'll take the, the skins from the goats and we'll put those on your arms and also on your neck. And when, when your dad feels your arms, which will be like the goat hair, he'll be like, oh, that's Esau. So, so, uh, so J- Jacob goes in and he pretends to be Esau. Uh, Isaac's like, you know, you kind of sound like Jacob. Let me feel you. Uh, okay, so okay, you're, you're Esau, maybe you have a cold or something. Right? I mean, like, he didn't say that, but, but he, Jacob was able to pass himself off as, as the older son. So then Isaac gives the blessing. Then Esau comes in, meets up with Dad, and Dad says, I already gave the blessing to you, my son. He said, no, you didn't. Well, yes, I did. And we're told that like Esau was, he, he, he wept and he was like, so angry that he conspired in his mind, when dad dies and the, point, the time of mourning is over, I am going to murder my younger brother. Like, not just beat him up, like kill him. I'm going to kill him. And, and so that sets the tone for Jacob and Esau's uh, life. Like, think about what Jacob did. He lied to his father's face. He also... I mean, I don't know. I, I think probably Rebecca said, to, said to, 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 to Jacob, you're to receive the blessing by, you know, from, from, from your dad, but God said that that's the way it was going to be. Whatever the dynamics were, the reality is, is that Jacob lied to his father's face and he manipulated his brother. Not long before this happened, Jacob... Um, <laughs> coerced his, basically deceived his brother, his older brother, into selling him his birthright for a bowl of soup or a bowl of porridge. And, uh, and so we know it wasn't just mom's idea to do this. Jacob had his, his sight set on, uh, on Esau's birthright. He wanted the birthright. That's the dynamics of the family. So then what happens is, is, uh, and all this is in like the questions and passages that you're going to read if you're in a life group. You guys are going to dive into this story a little more. But what happened after that was Isaac and Rebecca say, look, Jacob, it's not safe for you to be here. Your brother is like really angry. And so you need to go to spend some time with your, your uncle, Laban. And we do not want you, to, uh, Isaac said, I do not want you to marry any Canaanite women. Why? Well, because the Canaanite women worship other gods. We want you to worship Yahweh. So go to your uncle and find a wife, you know, from your uncle's household. Do you know what was happening then? This is, this is, this is so, so key. See if, you can, see if you can recognize the similarities or the parallels. Jacob sinned against his father, Jacob was sent into exile, away from his home, away from his family, and away from the land of promise. And then Jacob spent years with his uncle, essentially as an indentured servant. Some would say even a slave. Sound familiar? 
Um, Jacob mirrors the life of Israel as a nation in, in, in his life. So he goes, he, uh, he meets up with Uncle Laban. Um, we, we're told in Genesis 29 that his uncle ran to, to meet him, embraced him, and kissed him, and, and brought him into his house. Uh, during you know, probably like the first month or so, uh, Jacob sees this really beautiful woman. Now, so just so you know, like they would have a, a, a cloth that would like shield their face. All you could see is their eyes. And so uh, he saw Rachel. She had beautiful eyes. And uh, we learn that Rachel had an older sister. The older sister was named Leah, right? Uh, what we know of Leah and Rachel is that Leah, uh, her name essentially that was given to her by her father basically means gazelle or wild cow. Okay. Rachel, her name means you, you know, you, you lamb or like little lamb. Who do you think is the prettier of the two? Uh, now, commentators and theologians are like, well, we, we don't know like how ugly Leah was or if she was just, if she, or if she was just average. Some, com- some, some commentators think that maybe she was cross-eyed or maybe she had bulging eyes because that's all Jacob saw. Uh, and so what did Laban do? Laban knew it's going to be a really hard sell to get rid of Leah. So, um, so this is what Laban was conspiring. He was a ma- more of a master manipulator than even Jacob was. So he, he, he said to Jacob, look, well, Jacob came to Laban and said, hey, I, I, I want to marry uh, Rachel. Um, she is, she's beautiful. I, I want to be her husband. And so can we arrange like a marriage? And he said, well, it was, you'll have to work for me for seven years is essentially what the agreement that they, they come into. And after seven years, you can marry my younger daughter, Rachel. And Jacob's like, yeah, okay, great. So for seven years, he works for, for, basically for free for Uncle Laban so that he can have Rachel's hand in marriage. The wedding day comes, and, and so seven years come to an end, like, you know, uh, Jacob probably had a calendar, he's like marking off the days, right, for seven years, and we're told that those days pass by very quickly because his, his heart and his mind was set on Rachel. He loved Rachel. Remember that, right? He loves Rachel. So, so at the end of the seven years, he goes to Laban and said, okay, I, sir, I, did, I, met, I honored my commitment. Can you please now give me your daughter to be my wife. So Laban throws a party, and what happens at wedding parties? There's probably wine there. They're celebrating. It's in the evening. Remember, uh, the bride, is, her face is covered. All you can see is her eyes. It's dark. Laban says, this is, <laughs> this is my, my, um, my pathway to get rid of Leah. Leah. Um, and so at night, he passes Leah off to Jacob as though she were Rachel. I don't know if Jacob had too much wine. I, I mean, we're not told. But he didn't notice that it wasn't Rachel. And he, he uh, commits to her. Like, he, they, they sleep together. In fact, this is the way the NIV uh, reads it. It says, um, So Laban brought together all the people of the, the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. 
when morning came, there was Leah, exclamation point. <laughs> like, like, just a picture, Jacob wakes up like, Leah? <laughs> like, like, just totally blown away by this. And then, so Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Oh, <laughs> Mr. Deceiver. Um, so then Laban, being the master deceiving uncle that he is, he says to Jacob, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. See the parallels? Uh, complete the week, the, the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. You can have Rachel, but you have to serve an additional seven years after I give her hand to you in marriage. And that's exactly what happens. Jacob made love, we're told in Genesis 29, verse 30, Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Hear the parallels? Overtones of Malachi, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 there. Um, and he worked for Laban another seven years. Here's the crazy thing. Here's how, this is my way of, and I think this is the point why, why Malachi calls out all of these, these jacked up, beat up, messed up, former exiles, he calls them Israel, and then he says that God loves you, and their, their, their response is, how has he loved us? And God's answer to that was, is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. He, here's, here's where it all comes together. This is why it's important to understand Jacob's story a little bit. So when, <laughs> after, so they get married, so Jacob essentially, he has two wives now. So he's in a, he spent seven years as a significant detour from what he thought it would be. Seven years he's been away from family, he's been away from his home, and he's been away from the promised land. He gets Leah. He didn't want Leah. He winds up with Leah. Uh, then, then he gets Rachel, and then he has to work another seven years. And the dynamics within that family unit is a mess. So you have the older daughter and the younger daughter, the two sisters. You have the older sister, younger sister, who are jealous over, over the affection that, that, the, that the one has of, uh, of, of Jacob. So Rachel winds up becoming jealous of Leah because she's, she's like giving birth to babies. Like there's like no end. Like boom, 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 boom. The sign of God's pleasure and his hand upon Leah's life. But at the same time, Rachel isn't able to have a child. And so Leah is jealous over Rachel because Jacob loves Rachel, or loves Rachel more than he loves Leah. And it's just a mess. And then we come to Genesis 29. This, is, this will be so worth it by the time I get to my, my final point here. When the Lord saw that Leah was... This is, this is Genesis 29. When the Lord saw that Leah was what? Ah, where have we seen that word before? Malachi chapter 1. He opened her womb, but Rachel was what? Barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will what? Will love me. Did he love her? No. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. 
continue. Let's go to the next slide. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will be what? Attached to me. Because I have become, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name will be called Levi. You know who Levi is? He's the father of the Levitical tribe. That's the, the, the priestly tribe. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise who? Yahweh. There's a, there's a shift happening in Leah's heart. Therefore, she called his name what? Who's Judah? He is the father of the tribe that the line of kings will come through, ultimately Jesus Christ. Um, how did God love Leah? He, he said way back in Genesis to, a, to Leah's distant, <laughs> distant um, relative, Eve, and said, through your seed, I will bless the nations. He, he, that seed will crush the head of the serpent. Then to Abraham, he said, through your seed, I will bless the nations. And to Isaac, he said, through your seed, I will bless the nations. And the seed that will bless the nations comes through Leah. Judah, the tribe of Judah. Jesus comes through the tribe of Judah. Anyway, it's just, there's, there's so much here, and we don't have time to get through all of it, but I, I just wanted to point that out. It's ironic to me that Leah uses the same words that we see in Malachi for the same Hebrew word for love and the same Hebrew word for, for hate Leah uses to describe herself and what she was longing from her husband. And, and so we go back to the question, how is it, how, you know, how did God love Jacob? How did he love him? Well, the closest answer we get is Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. And let's, let's go there. It was not because that you were, he's speaking to all of Israel, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and that he chose you, for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. How, how did God love, you know, why did God love Jacob, why did he love Israel? Because he loves them. And he's keeping the oath that he swore to his father, to their, their fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But how did God love Jacob? That's, an, that's a more interesting question. It's, it, why? Because God loves, loves Jacob. Just because. I don't think it's because God looked down the corridors of time and said, okay, I see how Esau is going to turn out, so I'm going to choose Jacob. It's not because God thought to himself, well, Jacob's, or, or, Jacob's a little easier. He's a mama's boy. I could, he's more pliable than Esau. Esau's a hunter. He's a tough guy. He's ugly. I mean, he's all hairy and stuff. So uh, maybe I'll just choose Jacob. Like, that's not what happened. We're only, what happened was God chose Jacob over Esau to be the, 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 the seed of promise. And so that's the answer that we're given. But how did God love Jacob? That's a more interesting question. Like, think about this. From the day Jacob deceived his father into receiving the birthright, he was exiled away from his family. His brother wanted to murder him. He was driven from his home. He, was, he didn't feel that it was safe to enter back into the land of promise. 
while with Laban, listen, between the day that he left uh, his, his father and his mother to live with Uncle Laban um, to the day that he was reconciled with Esau was about 20 years. 20 years. That's a long time. Like when it comes to suffering, some of you have been suffering for a long time. You know what suffering feels like, especially when you've been doing it for a while? It feels like you're in the middle of an ocean and you're just treading water and, and, and there's, there's like no end to it in sight. Doesn't it? Feels that way. You, you, don't you think Jacob felt that way? Not only is he 20, 20 years in exile, but he's living with two women who hate each other. <laughs> like they hate each other. Leah and Rebecca, they, or Leah and Rachel hate each other. They're jealous of each other. They're fighting over, over Jacob's attention. Like, it gets so bad, it gets so bad that Leah says, hey, um, you know, oh, I think it was Rachel said, hey, I want to, was it? I think it was actually, Leah goes to Rachel and says, hey, I want to I spend the night with, with our husband. And it was like, and Ra- I think it was Rachel that said this. Rachel said, well, it's going to cost you. Um, those mandrakes that you make are really good, so make some of those, and then you can have my husband. Like they're pimping out their husband to one another. <laughs> like that's, that's the dynamics. And, and so Jacob's caught up in the middle of this, and, and, um, and, and then you, all the while, like we're left with what Malachi says, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Here's what happened right before Jacob was, was forced into exile. He had a dream, and God visited him in that dream. Okay, this is the, the, the final part of my sermon. He visited him in that dream. And in Genesis 28, verses 12 through 17, I, I won't read the whole thing, but he said, he said essentially, um, Jacob, your offspring is going to be like the dust of the earth. You're going to have many, many descendants who are going to come through your gene pool. The nations are going to be blessed through you. Um, he said, I am, and then he says this, he says, behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. This is before he's exiled for like 20 years. I will be with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I have set my love upon you, Jacob, and that's not going to change. You're jacked up. You're a heel grabber in so many different ways, but I'm going to be with you, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then it goes on to say, the words are on the screen, then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and, and this is the gate of heaven. Meaning, like this is the whole Jacob's ladder thing that, 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 that we hear about in the Bible, that we read about in the Bible. God encountered him, and he said, and God visited with him and reminded Jacob, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Jacob had no clue that he'd have to work seven years um, thinking that he's going to receive the love of his, of his life and he would be disappointed with Leah. Then he would get the love of his life and he'd have to work another seven years and live in the dynamics of a jacked, out, jack, jacked up uh, home where, where both women are vying for each other's affection. And it gets worse. We don't even time, have time to do this. Like the brothers rise up and, and take the, the, you know, sell the youngest Joseph into slavery. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. But like that, that's the dynamics here. And, and so he's, he's in, the land, uh, in a land that's not his. He's, he's with his uncle. He's 
functioning essentially as a slave. And God, what, what is God doing in the midst of that? He was molding and he was shaping Jacob. Like when you read Genesis 28, and then you go to Genesis chapter 32 and 33, Jacob looks like a very different person. In those 20 years, God was doing his wounding work in the life of this person who, and you hear me say this a lot, whom God loved too much to leave him as he was. Like, God could have done the same thing with Esau, but he chose Jacob to do that with. And then we get, like, and then we get to Genesis 32, and the, the parallels between Israel as a nation and Jacob's life is so staggering. So it, it is. Like, so, so we get to Genesis 32. Jacob had to flee the slavery of Laban, Uncle Laban. He fled that situation. And in order to get to the land of promise, there was a brother who wanted to murder him. And so he sends his, and his brother's kind of anticipating him. So, he, so, so Jacob sends his family, uh, you know, I guess, not away, but ahead of himself. And he's alone again, just like he was just before he was about to experience exile when he was alone and God visited him in the dream. He's alone again, and he sees this man come up to him. And we're told that they wrestle. It's a, it's a really interesting passage. So uh, Jacob encounters this stranger who approaches him, and they enter into a wrestling match, not for a couple of minutes, not for a couple of hours, but from evening to morning. And, and in Genesis 32, verse 28, where it said this, then the man said, um, well, actually, before, before he even said this, uh, leading up to that, Jacob said, I want your blessing." So he knows there's something different about this man. I want you to bless me. I'm not going to let go of you, sir, until you bless me. And so then the man reaches towards Jacob's hip, and he, he gives him a limp, like he messes up his hip, so that for the rest of Jacob's life, he will walk with a what? A limp. Any of you have hip pain? Any of you have had a hip surgery before? Like, if you ever had to have hip replacement leading up to that, it messes everything up when you got a bum hip. Uh, so, so then, uh, so the man says, well, let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And this is what happens. Verse, uh, Genesis 32, the words are on the screen. The man said, your name shall no longer be called what? Jacob, but Israel. I'm changing your identity, Jacob. No longer are you to be known as Jacob, but you'll be known as Israel. For you have striven, striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel, saying, for I have seen God, what? What man, when you stare him face to, and see him in his face, face to face, are you able to say, I've seen God face to face? Just say it. It's a Sunday school answer. You know it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He wrestled with Jesus. 
And yet, we call a pre-incarnate or theophany or pre-incarnate Jesus before he took on human flesh. But he wrestles with that. Because we learn in the Bible, you can't see God face to face and live unless you see Jesus. And so, and yet my life has been delivered. See, he knows it. Like, I should have died, but I didn't. My life was delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed and, uh, you know, limping because of his hip. So forever he would have have a, a, a limping problem. And his name went from being heel grabber to one who strives with God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? So, going back to Malachi, how have you loved us, Israel asks Yahweh. Jacob I've loved, Esau I hated. Here's where it gets good. Israel, as a nation, you spent over 400 years in slavery in Egypt. You said that you would keep my commandments and follow me. That you would not whore yourself out to any other God, but that you would love me. And you lied. And you kept lying, and you kept lying, and you kept lying, and I kept warning, and I kept warning you, and I kept warning you, and I said, if you continue this, I will be forced to discipline you. And the discipline will include an exile. And so then you were exiled. You were exiled. And during that exile, you were, you, you, you were beat up. You were used up. You, you, were, you were forced away from your home. You were separated from your family. And you were forced to live outside of the land of promise. But here's the thing, Israel. I never left you. I never left you. I was with you all throughout all those years and I'm still with you today I never forsook you I am committed to the promises I made to your forefathers and in those hard years Israel I was loving you as a father loves his child and disciplines his child that's how I was loving you that's the, that's the point of Malachi I didn't see it the first time I preached through this book but I see it now and I think maybe, maybe the reason is because you know, Northwest Baptist Church, the church that I pastored, um, was considered the most dysfunctional church in our network of churches. I look back upon my years at Northwest, and I believe that those were probably the most effective years that God was molding and shaping me. But they were also the most difficult. I don't know about you, Maybe you're asking, how have you loved us? How have you loved us, God? How have you loved me, God? There are a group of people that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is written to, is written to suffering Christians who are asking some of the same questions, I think. And we come to Hebrews chapter 12, and the words will be on the screen here. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, speaking of Jesus, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, he, when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines, what? 
the one he loves, right? He disciplines those he, he loves. He loves you too much to leave you as you are. If you're a Christian, your life is not going to get easier. Um, there will be things that will happen in your life. You will not get out of life unscarred. But God is able to take the hard things and the, and the ugly things in your life and he's able to turn those things around into something beautiful. He's doing that in your life. One of the keys to just understanding what worship is all about is to know that God has not left you. He will not forsake you. That for, for, if you're a Christian, that you have an audience of one. You have this God who, 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 who treasures you and he, he's lavishing his love upon you and he's doing this amazing thing in your life. And, uh, and, and it may result in you want, with a bum hip it may result in a metaphorical limp for the rest of your life. I'm wrapping this up. The worship team can come up. I, I, just, I, I want you to see this. We'll tie this up, and then we'll move on to verse 6 next week. And he continues. I hope you see, see this in your Bible. He, says, he continues. He, um, he said, look at verse 4. If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, they may, re they may build, but I will tear down. And they will uh, be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. You, you know what God is saying there? This is what happened with uh, the descendants of Esau. What happened with the descendants of Esau is this. The, Edomite, the Edomites, so Edom, um, found their, kind of their place, their home, kind of in the hill country mountain area, and uh, they conspired with the Babylonians. They were allies. They, allied the, they aligned themselves with and allied themselves with the Babylonians. They wanted Jerusalem to be destroyed. The end of Jacob's story is not destruction. The end of Esau's story is destruction. And Jacob, those 20 years that he was in exile, thought, man, this is never going to end. Israel, for those hundreds of years, that they were in Egypt, and for those 70-plus years that they were in, Babylon, in the Babylonian exile, I thought, this is never going to end. But what God saw is that this was a season. Israel's story doesn't end with destruction. You know what it ends with? It ends with verse 5. Your eyes, your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Meaning, the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that through your seed I will bless the nations, it's for the nations. It's not just for Israel. I'm going to do it. We're going to sing a song. And I'm going to come up and I'm going to read a passage for you. It's Romans chapter 8. I, just want, I, just want to, I won't have the words on the screen, but I'm going to conclude with Romans chapter 8. But I, want to, I just want you to hear this one verse as we go into this song. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to the Christian, to those who are the redeemed, to those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. That's how your, like, your story doesn't end with your suffering. Your story ends with a resurrection, which is the first chapter of a whole new beginning. Amen? Let's stand and let's sing this song together. These words. What we're singing is not just words. It's right from the pages of Scripture. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
for those who are called according to his purpose. You hear Malachi in there? For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This is talking about you, brothers and sisters, right? And it continues, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's your story. That's your story. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or any of those things? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen, it gets better. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the what? From the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.